Today I will believe and confess that Jesus Christ was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. Amen. Amen. All right, well, let's pray. Father God, we come before you this morning thanking you once again for your goodness, for your grace, your mercy. We recognize that, God, there is no one above or before you. You are an awesome God. Lord, we thank you for this time that you have given us. Lord, we ask that the words that I speak, Heavenly Father, will be seasoned with your love and grace. And Father, we pray that right now that we all, Heavenly Father, will be edified and built up, not just through your word, Heavenly Father, but through the assembling of believers here in this local assembly. Father, we thank you for all that you've done, all you continue to do, and we praise you even now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So today, uh, the title of my message is Bridges, and it might seem a little with a question mark. Uh, it's bridges, but there's a question mark behind it. But it may seem a little different, and as we get to the end, I think it'll kind of wrap itself up, and you will understand a little bit more about uh, what's going on. And they were quick with that question mark up there. But, uh, so it's bridges with a question mark. So I'll start by talking a little bit. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about this, uh, the, the title more so, at the end of the message. Uh, but right now, I just want to go into talking about the scene of Christianity right now, which is littered with a lot of false doctrine, doctrines of prosperity, name it and claim it. Uh, many people are drawn to Christianity this day by what I call false conversions. Many times we're repeating the scripture uh, that if thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and shall believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, that thou shalt be saved. They'll say that scripture and there may be a slogan or something after people either come up to the pulpit or we meet someone and we say this to them and then we kind of move forward from there. And so we offer them salvation through repeating of scripture and the slogan sometimes. And that information there saves them forever in some people's mind. Again, I call that a false conversion. And many times people are drawn to a false Jesus. This Jesus loves everyone unconditionally, even though he had the toughest conditions in order to save us. Our, that same Jesus, this, the real Jesus, said, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And what he meant by that was that, you know, he didn't want to go through all that. See, the conditions Jesus had to fulfill was only to live a perfect life, just die a humiliating death on the cross that in his humanity he didn't want to be on. But because his divinity, he yielded to the Father just so that people like you and I, that we could live. That's the true Jesus. That's not the false Jesus. The true Jesus, yes, he loves everybody, but as he calls us, there's some expectation there, and there's some things that he wants us to do. However, there are some people that feel they get to live anyway and still commune with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we offer a false repentance for things that we do that we know are wrong. This is 
to me, a false conversion when people go down that road. And it's not keeping anybody. Many times our churches are filled with people that feel they can just kind of live anyway and say, and I've heard, I've talked to some people and say, oh, I'm, I'm okay. You know, Jesus is going to forgive me for that. And that's not right. There's, there's other things that go along with our walk into the kingdom of God. So that same scripture that I quoted, I guess we can put it up there now, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 10, that if thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And that's great. Verse 10 says, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The question then is, how do we know that a confession is true? Well, we don't 100% know. That's between that person and God many times. However, there are some things that come along with it. Again, I'm going to read that first verse again, and then I'll go to the second. The popular verse is verse 9, Romans 10 and 9, that if thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and shall believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Many times they'll repeat that verse, and people say, I'm saved. And they walk off, and everything is good, and I can just live. And, you know, I don't really have to go to church. I can just kind of watch it. And, you know, I can, I'm, I'm good now. I can slough off. But then verse 10 rolls around and says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. I've never been able to look at somebody's heart and tell what's going on. But God can. And we say, you know, he knows my heart. He surely does. And with the mouth, confession is made unto con to salvation. With your mouth, you have to confess those things, which is correct. Well, in order to know or to see what a true confession is, it means, obviously, we must believe with our heart. But because we will not be saved by our works, one thing we have to remember is that we do what we believe. And say that again. We do what we believe. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. We do what we believe. So there should be a trail. We should be able to see over time your salvation. It's not a one-time thing. Do we sin as, as Christians? Yes, as believers, we do. Sometimes we get off track. Some, sometimes we go a little bit further off the track than we should. But we should be coming back. And, we sh and when we go off track, something should kick in. There should be a, con a, a conviction in your heart that wants to keep you following after this Jesus that died this gruesome death who said, not my will, but yours be done. Because he didn't want to go up on that cross. The human, the human side of Jesus did not want to go up there. Nobody in their right mind says, hey, this would be great to get some nails driven through my hand. You're going to parade me through the street naked, hang me high up on a cross, embarrassment. I didn't do anything. I know how I feel many times when, you know, I didn't say too much and somebody comes at me. But this is what our Lord and Savior went through. You know, he was mocked, spat upon, all kinds of things that he didn't deserve. He didn't want to go through that, but the God in him allowed him to go through it just so that we can have the right to be drawn to him and live in accordance with what his word says. So in James chapter 1, verse 27, it delves a little bit deeper into what we should be doing as Christians once we are saved. And it says, basically, pure religion 
and un pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. So once we're saved, we can do the visiting the fatherless and the widows, but to keep oneself unspotted, that's impossible for us to do in our human nature. We're spotted, but Jesus took those spots and will present them before Christ when we're there, when we get to see him. He's going to take that up. His blood covers us for those sins. So there's no way we can do the unspotted, but we should be trying. We should be trying to live a life that's pleasing before God because of what he did on the cross. So on this believer's journey, as we go through life and we try to stay on path, try not to veer to the right or to the left, we're going to have some trials and some tribulations. Just like things that we're going through in our local assembly right now. We have some things that we have to push through. And I believe that we will come out stronger on the other side than when we went in. But what I love about God is that he does not take us through rough and tough times. When, when, he take, when there are rough and tough times, there are things that, um, that we have to go through, but we're not alone. <clears throat> we can consider the well-documented transgressions of David. David did all kinds of things um, with Bathsheba. She had his, uh, his, his, his husband, her husband killed, put him up in the front of war, uh, went out with, it, with the man's wife, covered over all his sins, uh, fornication, all kinds of things that he did, but God covered him. We can think about Moses. Uh, Moses murdered an Egyptian. He saw him out there fighting, and he, he saw the Egyptian fighting the Hebrew. And Moses went out there and grabbed up the Hebrew and killed him. And then when the two Hebrews were arguing, Moses came over and said, brothers, we should stop. And they said, well, you're going to kill us like you did the Egyptian? And Moses took off, which started his journey out in the wilderness for 40 years before he came back to Egypt to tell people to let him go. God always has a plan. And all of this is documented in the Bible. The word of God is plain. It's not just a fairy tale where it's pixie dust and fairies floating around and everything just goes good. But many times when we read the word and when you talk to Christians, you know, they'll have a baby sometimes if you say anything about the bad. Well, you know, that, that's, well, but, you know, the good things, the good things, the good things. And yes, yeah, we, we all want to hear the good things. But many times, you know, we have to go through some tough things in order to get where we need to get. But the Bible does not, God does not cover up the things of his prophets, the things of his people, things that go on. Because many times it's those things that make us strong. Not that we do them, and I say this, please listen. Not that God makes us do bad things or not that we should do a bad thing in order to move forward to something good. That's not scriptural. That's to me, doesn't even make sense. Well, you know, I had to get banged up, man, in order to get strong. Well, no, not like that. You know, if you lift weights, the first time lifting weights, you're going to be sore. But as you continue, the soreness goes away and you progress on to building muscle and moving on to what it is that you want. But we don't go and hurt ourselves, break our leg on purpose so it can be straight, if it's straight already. This doesn't make sense. So we continue to push forward. Even in things that are rough, when they come upon us, we don't go looking for those things, right? As I mentioned, we are going through some things here in our local assembly. But 
that caused me to do something. It caused me, one, to pray, obviously, but also to go back to the blueprint. This church is good ground and it's fertile soil. It was built on the word of God. And what it caused me to do was to go back and take a look at some things. You know, when you, when you build something, there's a blueprint. You don't build a house or a building without a blueprint. You make the plans before you get out and start nailing and buying all your equipment and doing whatever. You make a plan. And so as a result of this, I went and looked at our website. The church is structurally sound. I visited the blueprint at jcilm.com, and I went to the about us, and then who we are, what we are, how we are, what we believe. I won't go into each one of them. You can take your time and look at those things yourselves. But ultimately, what I came up with, and after reading this and looking at things, is that we walk by faith and not by sight. Even when things don't look like they're headed totally in the direction that we want them to go, we know that things are structurally sound based on the blueprint. So bridges have blueprints as well. Many times those, those, those blueprints have to be exactly correct or that bridge is going to crash. It's going to fall. Over time, it may fall. It may fall immediately if it's not done well. But again, we walk by faith and not by sight. And what that means is, is in every situation, we go to the blueprint. The blueprint for this church is listed on our website. But the actual blueprint of everything, which, all, which our blueprint at Jesus Christ as Lord Ministries is built on, is built upon the word of God. It's built upon the Bible. So walking by faith means that we fix our eyes on what is eternal. So we fix our eyes on what is not seen because those things that are unseen are more real than the things that are seen. So it's this eternity that we look for. We don't look at when we're going through things in life, when Moses went through his thing and David went through, through his thing. They didn't stop because they had a bad thing or a, a bump in the road. They kept going on to the mark that God called them to. In this time, this is the time that our faith should be in action. If you would, put up the definition of testimonies. You see, when we are weak, that is when God is strong. And it's easy to talk about all the great things and how well things are going when things are going good. But it's our testimony, the definition of a testimony, a public recounting of a religion, religious conversion or experience. A public recounting of a religious conversion or experience. See, when things are going good, it's easy to tell people about God. I got a big house, I got this, got that, so on and so forth. And all of those things are great. But it's when you're going through some things and you tell a person about that, that's when they really hear you. Now, for myself, I've gone through some things, but probably not to the degree that many of you sitting out in the audience right now or those that may be listening uh, online may have gone through. So my testimony may not be as powerful as yours, but when we, can get, when we can offer that testimony, a public recounting of a religious conversion or experience. Now, we don't consider ourselves to be religious. We say that we have a lifestyle that leads to eternal life. But 
when we experience some things, when we have some bumps in the road, whether we've caused them or not, or whether we're just walking straight and then these things come about, as every Christian that is going through and is pushing through may experience, that's when people really, really hear your testimony. When you can talk about a thing and it's, it's really real to them. You know, it's those things that, that really opens people's ears to what is going on. When we have joy and peace through Christ and tell people about the love of Christ, that's when they can hear us when, when, when things are tough. Please go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through 11. So we're talking a little, we're talking a little bit about testimonies. And I've, I've had times where I've had an opportunity to talk to people, especially when things are going tough. And what I've sensed is when, I, when I'm in those times, that tends to be the time that people really, really hear you. You know, when you're dressed well and, you know, everything is going fine. Depending on who you're talking to, they're just kind of looking at you like, yeah, that's going good for you, but what about me? Uh, I've dealt with some people or talked to people, probably as we all have, that have come up and have asked for whatever. And it's usually in those times when I'm going through something that I can convey to them something that seems to at least get through. Because the Bible talks about one man watering, one man plants, another waters, but only God can give the increase. So we can't walk around as Christians believing that we in and of ourselves can save somebody. But just as we talked about confessing with our mouth and believing in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, when we talk about a thing and we can tell a person about the love of Jesus Christ when we're going through, when they are going through, again, that's really when they, when they can hear what's going on. Uh, and, and really want to hear more about the kingdom of God and about Jesus Christ, and it can pierce their heart, and then God can give that increase from our planning and from our warping. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through 11, it says, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, or three times, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Again, he says, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. That's not natural. In reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. It says, therefore, I take pleasure, hold on, let, please stay at 10. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. Again, that's not natural. It's not natural for somebody to persecute you, and you take that and say, wow, that's good. I'm good with that. But he says, those distresses are for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, that's when God is made strong. Verse 11. I am become a fool in glorying, ye have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended of you, for in nothing am I behind the very chiefest apostles, though I be nothing. Again, it's not natural to go through persecutions. And as upset myself as I can get about some things, I found that as I continue through this walk, some things just roll off 
like water on a duck's back now. Not everything, but some things do. And I don't attribute it to myself. I don't attribute it to anything other than Christ, anything other than his love. I believe, and I assume and pray that we all believe that as we continue to read and ingest this word and it comes on the inside of us, we can become more and more like Christ when they drug him through the city and did all these things to him. Not that we're asking that you do that. That's, that's not it. But there are certain things that now as we continue, as we become more mature in the faith, that should roll off our back like water on a duck's back. You know, it should just, it should bounce off. The other day, uh, I, was on a, I was getting off a plane, and I probably was getting off maybe a little bit more, a little faster than I should. You know, there's this order people in the front first, and if you're in the back, and I, we were somewhere, I guess, in the middle, but I didn't see anybody standing up. So I'm just kind of looking around, so I'm like, I pop up and get my stuff out, and I start walking out, and of course, Sandra's behind me, and she's just kind of looking, and so I hear somebody says, patience, patience is a virtue. I'm like, at first I was like, you can't be talking to me. But I never turned, I never stared the guy down like, man, who you think you talking to? And all, I never, I didn't do that. I just kept walking. And I was like, whatever. You know, I'm, I'm not even going there. That's, and I'm assuming that, because Sandra said, well, he probably was talking to me. And I was like, yeah, whatever. I mean, we're, we're done with that. But there was a time in my life that I know, even while I was saved, I was younger, I would have made a response to that, and this response probably would not have been really good. But at this time, um, as I mature and as I read and as I seek God and start understanding more and more about, you know, what, what Jesus, what God wants us to do, there's certain things we just keep walking. We don't, we don't lay down in those things. And we start understanding that there is something in these persecutions and these inflictions and things that come our way that if we can continue to hold our head up and have a peace and a joy about ourselves, there's something that draws the world, that brings the world over to us, and they, they want to know more about what that is on the inside of us. So when we're on our job or on the airplane or wherever you're going and things like that happen, it's those things that people, when, when you can talk about Jesus through those times, People see it, and they say, man, he was really, you say, well, God is good. You know, Jesus is, Jesus is a good God, and we keep it moving. And I say that Jesus is a good God because many times we will say God, but everybody, for the most part, has a God, even those that say they don't have a God. It's something. Our God is Jesus. Jesus is God. People's head turns turn when you say Jesus. When you say God, everybody, eh, you know, they're good with God. Jesus, oh, they're looking, you know, because that name stirs something up in people. And especially now, because the culture is not the culture of 1975. When I was a kid, walking around and you said Jesus, and everybody gave you a thumbs up. The, the opposite is different now. You say Jesus, and people are kind of inclined to want to give you a thumbs down. I had, on this same trip that I was on, I, we got in really late. And I was not able to get a uh, rental car from the rental car company. So for the first time, I used this little ride-sharing app, uh, Turo or whatever. And so I did it. I was a little nervous about it. 
And so the guy, Richard was his name, who's the person's car that I, that I used, or he contacted me and we were texting back and forth. And so this whole God-Jesus thing comes to play in here because when he texted me, we were talking back and forth and he was like, I'd gotten on one plane on my way to where we were going and I didn't see part of his thread. So I had rented like a little Mazda or something. And so when I saw his thread again, he said, uh, well, yeah, the, uh, the vehicle will be so-and-so part of the airport. And I was kind of like, well, that's not the vehicle that I wanted. So he said, uh, well, yeah, enjoy. I said, that's not the vehicle that I uh, had uh, rented. So he said, well, enjoy your Escalade. I'm like, Escalade? I'm like, I'm not driving this Escalade. So I, I wrote back, well, hey, man, I appreciate it. And he said, well, look, don't even worry about putting gas back in it when you're done. Just put it over wherever. I said, really? I said, well, you know, there's a... So he said, well, man, look, it's a blessing from me. So I, Richard said, it's a blessing from me. I said, well, I started typing, and I said, well, thank God. But then I said, uh, so I did. I wrote, thank God, and then I put in parentheses, Jesus. And so I didn't know what his response was going to be. So I was like, well, this is a good time to, to do this God-Jesus thing. And so his response was, praise God, amen. So I thought I was going to get a different response, but he understood what I was talking about when I said Jesus is God because of the rest of the conversation that we had. I say all of that to say that as we move forward, and you have to do what you're convicted to do in the, in the situations and the, the things that you're walking through, but I want to kind of throw it out there that Jesus is our God. He really is. And, you know, sometimes just in talking, we say things, you know, God, or we'll say whatever. Uh, but Jesus really is our God. He's the one, his name is the, is the name that makes things move on this earth. Because, again, as I've kind of gone down this little path, you know, God, yes, our God is, is a great God. He's good. But the world is moved by that name Jesus when we say it. Because there's some, you know, there's different camps, basically. So I, I, I don't want to put out a challenge and say you got to go say Jesus to everybody. But just be mindful of who, of who he is. So let me get back to, to the, the text of uh, what we're doing. And, um, and, and so we can keep moving uh, forward. So I think the last thing that I talked about was just things that we were, we were uh, going through and, and our blueprint and Jesus Christ as Lord Ministries being uh, a, a great place to be and will be a better place as we continue forward. Um, as, we, as, we, as I was talking about our testimony, I'm going to share this story with you as well. I was um, listening to some radio in the same vein that I was talking about concerning our testimony, you know, what we say to people uh, during times when things are going rough for us, that, uh, that public recounting of a religious conversion or experience. There was a woman that was uh, going through some things, you know, and she was in the hospital and all of the nurses and the doctors and the orderlies and everybody was saying 
how she just brought so much to them, how she uplifted their spirits by who she was, even though she was in pain, even though she was sick. And one of the ladies that was there was not saved. But she knew that something was different about this lady because of everything that she said and how she uplifted the name of Jesus to the degree that the lady that was uh, the, the nurse who was not saved, um, on the day that the woman passed, she said the lady was singing a hymn. And the hymn stuck with her so much. Again, we remember God, we, a man, one man can plant another waters, but only God can give the increase. And how this lady got saved, not because the lady was driving a Maserati or living a certain way, you know, this fabulous lifestyle, but on her deathbed, uh, the, the, the nurse was converted because of who the lady was and because of what she did. And it's those things that in Revelations chapter 12, verse 11, it says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. These are the convictions and these are the, the testimonies. We must have that type of conviction, and we must have testimonies like those that when things are not going right for us, we're able to overcome. I remember, um, and, and this, guys, is the time that we continue to fight, that we fight the adversary, that we fight in our lives, that we fight for our church. The Bible talks about there's a time and season for everything under the sun. This is the time that we fight because the adversary has not stopped fighting and he will continue to fight us. It says that he walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. But in Revelations 12, 11, it says again, and they overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of his testimony, of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto death. The question also becomes, how much do we love our life here? How much do we love our jobs? How much do we love our reputation? How much do we love our family, even our parents that have been good to us? How much do we love that? Do we love God more than all of those things? And those are questions that we have to because all of those things, our job, our reputation, our ego, sometimes our parents, sometimes our brothers, sometimes things, some, you know, there's all kind of things that want to draw us away from the path God has for you. And I'm not saying that those things aren't good. Your parents may love God. Your brothers, the people you're around, friends, whomever, may love God. But what does God have for you? What is he telling you to do? And those are the things that we have to know. That's when we go back to the blueprint, which ultimately is the word of God. I used it as a, in context to our church here, the website, looking at those things. But ultimately, what does God have for you? What is your testimony? What are we saying to people? Are we willing to be mocked? Are we willing to lose some things that are valuable to us because of God? I'm just putting it out here. You know, before I come up here, I pray. You know, I'm not uh, Billy Graham or anybody, but I do seek God. I do pray and ask him. And there are tough times that, that we all go through. But then we have to ask because we're all going to go through them, but are we going to try to stay on that path? When, and, and I will say this, as we walk on that path, if we're swerving over here, so, again, I said it earlier, something should click. You should feel bad. And if you're feeling bad, 
as I've heard a wise man once say, you know, if, 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 you're, if you do something, if you sin and you know it's sin, and you're not feeling a certain way, then you need to check your salvation. We, we, we really should. We should check our salvation. If it's easy for you to sin, whatever that may be, whatever, we know what sin is. We know that those are things that are not pleasing to God. If we're doing those things and you're not checked, check your salvation. We should check our salvation because it's those little things that draw us away from Christ. Now, I'm going to say this. Uh, we've had conversation about this in our family, and I'm, I'm going to preface it before I even say it. We recognize that all sin leads to death, right? Now, as I've looked around and searched, uh, probably not as extensively as I should, I personally believe this, not the Bible. You don't have to believe this, and that's fine. But I hadn't seen it in the Word of God. I believe, you know, people say that you can't rank sin. I think I understand what people are saying, but I believe that you can. And I believe that, and I've heard this all my life, can't rank sin, uh, can't rank sin. Well, why not? I mean, I've stolen cookies out the cookie jar, ate them, and looked around for my parents when I was a little kid. Is that the same as somebody doing premeditated murder? Is it the same when somebody under the age of 18 commits a murder? versus somebody that's older. We have a whole juvenile justice system for people that are younger, and we have one for people that are older. Again, I'll, I'll throw this in there. All sin leads to death. Eating a little, stealing a cookie out the cookie jar and looking around, that's going to lead to death at some point. We're all born with the sin nature. I say you can rank sin because, to me, stealing a cookie out the cookie jar is not as bad as premeditated murder. Now, I'm not sitting here saying, go around ranking sin. That's not what I'm saying. But I think that there is a, uh, um, that there is a, a level of sin that rises to something worse. Again, as I mentioned about our justice system, that they penalize you more for those things. We should, we should be avoiding sin as much as we can. And we do that, again, by walk, living according to the Spirit of God. However, not that we should rank sin, and I don't want nobody to beat me up as a result of what I'm saying, but there are things that are worse than others. Regardless of what that sin is, as I've said, our heart should be pricked. There should be some conviction that draws us back to God. Now, I'm going to go back to talking about, you know, just, just the, the tough times uh, of things that go on, but I'm going to try to encourage us as well. I want to stay on the tough times. There was a night, um, and I don't remember, I didn't look up the dates and all this stuff. There was a, and it was the night I was at a friend's house, and this was a long time ago, at a friend's house watching the Mike Tyson fight, and everybody was saying, man, Mike Tyson's going to kill this guy because, you know, Mike Tyson was basically the Goliath in the room. He was the bad man. He was the guy that said, you know, man, everybody got a plan till they get punched in the face. You know, that was Mike Tyson. So I was sitting there watching the fight, and I was just sitting down calmly, and I don't, you know, I'm not in any mysticism or, you know, smoke and clouds and God said this, but I just had this sense as I was sitting there, and I was telling all of the guys in the room, 
said, guys, and this was when Mike, you know, Mike was still bad. I was like, guys, Mike going to lose this fight tonight. Oh, man, you know, they were persecuting me and telling me, man, you crazy, you stupid. Mike going to kill this dude. So he was about to fight Evander Holyfield. Some of you may have seen the fight. Now, I, I kind of have a proclivity to boxing because my dad used to box and he used to watch the fights and uh, we couldn't say anything to him because he'd be watching the fight and he'd be punching his hand and get him, get him, get him. He'd be doing all those things, right? So I'm sitting there watching and I'm watching the whole thing unfold. For anybody that's accustomed to watching sports, you know, you, you kind of understand about a quiet confidence when a person kind of comes in. So Holyfield walks in, you know, walks into the arena. He comes in, he got this big smile on his face, man. He's just walking, and he's got his music playing. He's got some gospel music playing. And, and these guys are still on me, like, man, you going to see, you going to see, he going to get him, he going to get him. And not that either Holyfield or Tyson is perfect. However, Holyfield walked in with some gospel music and this quiet confidence and this smile on his face, like, like I got this, you know? And so the guys were still on me, big time. So anyway, they go in the ring, and if you are given to watching some boxing or whatever, I don't know how I get boxing in the church here, but, uh, you know, there's, there's this stare down thing where, you know, the two fighters will get there and they'll look at each other. And if you've seen Mike Tyson's fights, the fight is usually over at the stare down. You know, he looks him down, man. The other guy, you know, Mike Tyson looking at him, looking him straight in the eye. And he's like, you know, he's not blinking, he's not flinching, he's just looking at him. And the other guy's kind of like, trying to look at him, but he can't because he's thinking about them punches he's going to take, that, that plan that he have until he gets punched in the face, right? But Holyfield's just standing there just smiling, you know, not even, like he, like he wasn't even there. And then the fight starts. So I tell him, I say, guys, that if I was a betting man, I'd bet y'all, and y'all would lose today. Oh, and so they get on me harder. So the fight starts, and this is kind of how it is in, in life, you know, when tough things come, because Mike Tyson was tough. Van Holyfield was tough too, but man, you know, nobody, you can't beat Mike Tyson. The fight started, and what I remember most about that fight, other than, you know, the walk-up, Mike Tyson had a, a way of punching you and coming through with his elbow, which is illegal. So he hits Evander Holyfield, bam, comes through with the elbow. Holyfield does the same thing, backs up and smiles. And Tyson gets really mad. It's the same way with the adversary. When the adversary hits us, comes through with that elbow, and you feel like your knees are quivering, you want to fall, you come back with one too. And how do we do that? With the word of God. We use the sword. We use the word. We, 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 we pray. We seek God. We stand firm. Because again, you know, we, we're, we're going to push through. We, we are going to prevail. We're prevailing right now because we're here, we're praying, we're seeking God, and we recognize the thing. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, we recognize this. This is what we recognize. Unlike the Holyfield fight, we recognize this. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. That is what we recognize. We recognize that this fight is not of flesh and blood, that it's a spiritual fight that the adversary comes and wants to put us to scatter us. That's, that's his mission, to keep us apart, to keep us on other things that are not of God. Our goal, our focus, is to stay focused on God and who he is. Now, 
all this time I've been up here, I'm just going to kind of rehash, and I, I know I jumped around a little bit, but basically the things that we talked about were a false conversion and a false Jesus. We don't want to follow a false Jesus, and we don't want to have, we want to make sure that we don't have a false conversion. And if we are living in a way where Jesus isn't real to us, and we don't recognize that time when salvation came to us, again, while we have time and daylight, we need to make sure that our conversion to the faith is true. And that's for everybody in here, myself included, because the Bible talks about, you know, working out your salvation with fear and trembling. And to me, that's scary. I, I, sometimes I question myself often, and I know I've confessed with my mouth and I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. I know and believe that, but there's so many bombs and arrows out there now that I just want to make certain that every day that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, whatever that is, that God puts in front of me. We talked about uh, true, uh, true confessions or conversions, what those should be and how we know what, you know, what that is, what that looks like. How do, how do we know those things? Uh, we talked about having challenges along the way, tough times when we should show faith and express our faith and how that gets through a lot better than when things are just going great. We have that opportunity. And the last, so we, we've talked about all of those things. We've talked about getting punched in the face and what we should do, the word of God. So I said the title of my message was Bridges with a question mark. And there was, um, I'm, I'm sure you guys have heard this tune before at one way or another. And I heard it a while back and uh, a couple months ago, and it just started questioning some things because the song was actually written back in 1970. And it says, uh, it, it goes, uh, and you've heard, I'm just going to sing a little bit of it. It says, like a bridge over troubled water. You guys have heard that song before? Yeah, I have too. So that song was written a year after I was born. I wasn't even a year old when it was released. And so it was always kind of like this little inspirational song. It's a really good song. I mean, it's composed, and you know, I, I did a little looking at it and everything. The song was written by Paul Simon. You guys may have uh, heard Simon and Garfunkel, Paul Simon, Art Garfunkel, Like a Bridge Over Troubled Water. So I said, let me just look and see what that song is all about. So I started looking at the song and looking at the writer and what, what it was all about because some of the lyrics are, you know, can be real emotional and bring you. And so I kept looking and I saw that the song was sang in churches and some churches sing the song and so on and so forth, right? So as I looked at it, I said, okay, um, like a bridge over troubled water, what does this guy mean and what is he talking about? And so I looked to see what he was meaning, and then I went to the Bible to see how God does things. Paul Simon, when he wrote the song, he pulled some things from some gospel music, some black gospel singers that he heard way back when, and said, man, I think this would go good. And he used the gospel hymns in order to write the song. And, you know, Paul, Paul Simon is a very talented, was a very talented, he is a very, very talented writer. I think he's still alive. And so, but I was just curious to see what was the motive, what was the motivation behind this music, this song that he wrote. And they did an interview with him, and he basically, they, they started asking him some questions, and I, it may have been a, 
God, a Christian organization that was asking him these questions and wondering why he wrote the song. And so they asked him, he said, well, you know, bridge over troubled water, are you talking about Jesus? And he's like, well, no, I'm really just talking about, you know, as a friend, when my friends are in trouble, I can, we can be there as bridges over troubled water for people. And I was like, okay, this song that, you know, I kind of thought had some, some uh, gospel things going because, it, you know, he, he said it. He said, yeah, we use gospel hymns to compose this thing. And as they continued on in the interview and the conversation with him, it became evident, and they asked him, and he basically said, well, no, I'm not religious at all. I just thought it was good stuff. And I was like, oh, okay. And so that prompted me further to look at the word and just to see how God goes about doing things. And so I started looking, and I said, well, let me look at what God did with the Hebrew boys. Did he put a bridge over troubled water? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember the story where you know, the, the, they, heated, they, they, were, uh, they, they went in the fiery furnace, remember? And they, the, when they were looking in, they saw a fourth person that was in there with the three Hebrew boys. And I was like, well, that show ain't no bridge over troubled water. But they were ready to die. They said, man, if we don't make it, so be it. But our God is with us. That's the kind of confidence that they had. And then Daniel, when he went in the lion's den, you know, when they, when, when they threw him in there, they were expecting that, man, he'd be torn up. And again, Daniel's conviction was that, hey, you're going to have to do this, but I'm not, I'm not going to aggravate my God. I know who I am, and I'd rather die than do what you guys are telling me to do. Not doing that. Again, he came out of there. The list goes on, all of the different things that God did. God is not, you know, God is not a bridge over troubled water. He will take you through things. He will, he will be there with you. He says that he is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Now, it's not guaranteed. These guys went in there not with a guarantee that they're going to come out with their lives. The type of conviction that they had was that, hey, bridge or not, we know our God is with us. We know, we can look at the, uh, the disciples, Jesus' disciples, the things that they went through. All of them were, were killed, just about all of them. Uh, I think one of them was exiled. But all of them, you know, they were, and, and this, again, is why I believe so strongly in who God is and what he says. Because these guys went to death because of what they saw and what they knew about Jesus Christ. And so we have to have a similar conviction that says whatever goes on around us, our God is more than able to take care of us, to bring us through. He's not going to be a bridge over troubled water, but he's going to come through everything with us. And even whatever you have going on in your life, whatever I have going on in my life, this, this assembly, and there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of tough things going on, but we have to have the conviction to know that Jesus is going to take us through it. And, and, and it can't be a tacit conviction that, well, yeah, he gonna, we have to know these things. Again, we said we walk by faith, the blueprint. We walk by faith and not by sight. We recognize that this is an eternal walk. You know, we're not just some little Christians standing around. Jesus is with us, and he has given us power to, to overcome and do this, but we have to believe it. 
We, again, we cannot read the Bible as though it's fairy tales and pixie dust, that these are just some little nice little stories. This stuff is true. Those disciples said, man, we saw this. This is what's different from our religion versus pretty much everybody else's. These people say, we saw this. This is documentation. And I've said before that what makes the Bible uh, just as true as any other book that maybe Shakespeare or you know, some autobiography that maybe Martin Luther King wrote. Time, that's the only thing. It's no less true. These things truly happen. And if we don't seek God and read our word as though these things are true, then we fall into this, uh, this mindset, like the culture is right now, that, oh, these are just stories. These are real events in the Bible. All of these things happen. They are real, and we can draw strength and power and, and, and joy and peace knowing that we're going to come through as well, right? So with that being said, um, we're going to wrap this up. I'm going to pray, and then we'll do a little something afterwards. Amen? Uh, so I guess at this time we will uh, we'll pray, and then we'll release our online audience. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for this time. We praise you, Lord, because you are real and you are good. And Father, we recognize that, Lord, you are not a bridge over troubled water. It's a good song, Father, but we recognize right now that, Lord, you are with us through tough times, through good times. And, Father, we pray that as we are in this, we do not give up, that we don't faint, that we continue to walk, that we continue to press towards the mark, Heavenly Father. And we thank you, God, even in this season that we're in. Father, we praise you right now. We bless your name, and we give you all the glory even now, in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.